What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are back in, and dare we say, the final SportsMediaWatch.com podcast of August. Does that mean? Oh, yes, it does. Football season about to be here. Baseball playoffs upcoming. That means not too far away as well. The NBA and the NHL will be returning uh, before we know it. I am the somewhat capable host of the podcast, TJ Reeves. He is the owner, the operator, the purveyor of SportsMediaWatch.com. Good to be back with John Lewis, a.k.a. Paulson. Uh, did you have a good weekend as we embark on another week, sir? Yeah, you know, uh, did uh, some grilling. I mean, I didn't do the grilling, but I ate the food, so that was good. Did you have ketchup on the hot dogs like we talked about last week? No, uh, we uh, we had grilled chicken and uh, grilled ham and grilled potatoes, which was interesting. All right. First, first, I don't know that I've had grilled potatoes anytime recently. First time on grilled potatoes, it sounded like there on you? Yeah, it didn't go too well. <laughs> <laughs> did, did we end up getting Domino's, Papa John's, Little Caesars, or one of those, as it turns oh, out, no, telling no. your voice? No, the, gr- the grilled chicken was great. The grilled chicken was great. And the grilled ham was great. The grilled potatoes, you know. Not they as much. Like uh, coal, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> watch out with that. Uh, watch out for us, by the way, however you found us. Social media link or through the sportsmediawatch.com podcast. Uh, the, the website, go to sportsmediawatch.com. You read the articles, you see us there. If you found us from there, if you found us through a social media link, make sure you subscribe to this podcast. We're available on all the podcast platforms. You can find us primarily on Spreaker uh, through the channel there. Search on Spreaker, Sports Media Watch, as well as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast. there's your public service announcement. So we generally go over a couple of topics, then we get to the, as I like to say, award-winning part of the podcast, little love it or leave it, John, a couple of really good, if I do say so myself, topics to hit John with about whether he loves them or leaves them. News since last we talked, we're like, we were right on the cusp of some big things happening when we released the podcast last week. Now, a couple of them are official. We've talked for several weeks about what's going to happen with Rachel Nichols and ESPN. 
there was some wonderment as to whether she would be kept around in some lesser role. Okay, no, 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 that's not happening. They have decided that she is no longer on the air. The show she was doing called The Jump, which, correct me if I'm wrong, John, aired for, I believe, six seasons from what I read. And I know you were writing about this as well. That's going to cease to exist. They're going to come back with another NBA-type show. She's in limbo for the moment at the time we're doing the podcast because she's still got a year left on her ESPN deal. John, what do you make of all of this from one of the prominent uh, female talents uh, in the NBA and, and NBA broadcasting? Well, you know, uh, it's a profound humiliation. Uh, ESPN blowing it again uh, the way that they've blown it for 20 years carrying the NBA. They blew it again. Uh, this time, somehow managing to take the only good studio show it's ever had with the NBA uh, and a promising host in Maria Taylor and a well-respected journalist in Rachel Nichols and managing to fritter that away into nothing through their own idiotic mismanagement, just like they did so many times in the past, blowing it with Michael Smith, who was excellent because they made a bad decision putting him and Jamel Hill on that six o'clock sports center. And they didn't want to stand behind Jamel when she said those things about Trump. Uh, you know, uh, the way they blew it with Lindsay Zarniak, who was excellent, and they got rid of her to put Michael and Jamel on Center. the way that they blew it with Michelle Beadle, who I know a lot of people didn't like, but she was solid in the role. I mean, they just keep blowing it and blowing it and blowing it. And the only people at ESPN who ever have any accountability are the hosts and the anchors and the reporters. They churn through, you know, like like it's nothing. Meanwhile, the executives who keep making bad decision after bad decision after bad decision stick around, except for John Skipper. And that was a weird, weird whole thing, right? But other than that, the executives keep blowing it. They keep making bad decisions. They're going to make more bad decisions again. They're going to blow it on the studio again. We're going to come back here in a year and they're going to be putting out a new studio team at that point. It's, you know, they're the New York Knicks of sports media. <laughs> I like that. And the Knicks, and you don't mean it in an affectionate way. Uh, they have no. been the bumbling Knicks for a long time. And you're right. Uh, trying to get it right. Uh, has, it has eluded them over and over again. And I love, again, I point everybody to the YouTube that you did side by side, uh, which may need to be updated yet again, whenever they announce a new studio show of all the different ESPN talent and analysts and hosts. While TNT has basically used Ernie Johnson, Kenny Smith, Charles Barkley, and now the addition of Shaq in the recent years. It, it's amazing. It's amazing the consistency that Turner has had in the success. And then ESPN has almost pinned the tail on the donkey, John, on trying to, to figure it out. Um, and again, for Rachel Nichols, you said to us before, repeated here, you think Turner would be a logical spot for her to end up where she worked before. What, what else are your thoughts on where she may end up? Well, you know, I mean, this is a career threatening situation that she's dealing with, because if it's not Turner, it's hard to see where she could end up. You know, um, there's a lot of people who, I mean, evidently, there's a lot of people who really have it out for her by the fact that she was videotaped in the first place, recorded in the first place. People don't do that to just anybody. Um, so, you know, she's going to have this whole thing tailing her. She has, for all intents and purposes, been canceled. People don't really come back from that too, too often unless, you know, unless they, I mean, look, if we're, if we're going to be real, the only way you can come back from being canceled is if you have a really big, like, conservative audience behind you like Tucker does. People have been trying to cancel Tucker Carlson forever. Well, Tucker's got the entire Fox News audience. Good luck trying to cancel him, right? <laughs> so, you know, Rachel, ultimately, like, 
I almost feel like she would have to go like the full Clay Travis and like just to a complete heel turn and become like a conservative whatever in order to have like the best shot because once you get that stain, there are people who consider her a racist. I think that's tremendously unfair, but there are people who consider her a racist now. So she's going to have a really, really hard time. But if, you know, if Turner, you know, Turner is a sensible place. Adam Silver was very sympathetic to her uh, at the finals and gave a very sympathetic statement. Uh, you know, so that would be the, the easiest but if that doesn't work out, it's going to be hard. Nobody else is as committed to the NBA as ESPN or Turner. And Fox is, but man, Fox is a step down, man. That, you know, to go from ESPN to FS1, there, people have done it before, but, you know, it's, uh, it's like when the great players in the NBA, they go to the ABA. And yeah, you could have a good role in the ABA. You could do some interesting things, but it's not the NBA. You know what I mean? Uh, and um, I don't know. I think it's going to be very difficult for her. Uh, she's extremely talented. Fact is, she deserved the finals job that they gave her and took away before she even had the opportunity to do it once. Um, she created uh, with other people, obviously, the jump out of nothing. Made that again the only uh, the only studio show ESPN's ever done for the NBA that was good. Um, you know. Uh, but I don't know, it's gonna be really difficult for her because again, like I said, she has for all intents and purposes been canceled. And that's not something that, you know, again, you, you've got to have a big, probably conservative, huge fan base behind you to protect you from that. Otherwise, what are you gonna do? All right, well, we'll see if she does reemerge. Uh, obviously, um, she she took on a different career path going to Turner and covering different issues and having a different type of show. Would she maybe do that? Would she hold out after a year to come back and do NBA somewhere, let ESPN pay her? She wouldn't be the first one to do that. See uh, my buddy uh, Jaworski, comma, Ron Jaws, who got paid for about four years. Four years. Uh, Paulson, we should be so lucky to get paid for four years to not work for an entity, but when ESPN, it's it's unreal when ESPN did all those layoffs back about three, four years ago. There were several employees. Mark May was another one. Uh, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. There was one or two other ones that had multiple three, four-year deals, and they paid them in full to not work for them, which was um, – amazing on uh, on that front and you're right you, they can read more about the mismanagement of espn as you wrote about it on sportsmediawatch.com you're bringing the heat already on the podcast yeah. hey it's a natural follow-up that at the time we're taping this uh version here uh the last one in august uh nbc has firmed up the plans of what they're doing with football night in america uh arguably the most successful prime time live broadcast of sports in the country now Fox argues they get better ratings at times with their Sunday afternoon late window. They call it America's game of the week on that. But in terms of prime time on, on Sunday nights, the NFL kills for NBC. So Mike Tirico has been in there as a staple as the studio host. Maria Taylor is now part of that. They made some adjustments uh, to the analyst roles and added Maria Taylor in Essentially, at the time we're taping, they announced this on Monday after having their first preseason broadcast on Sunday night where Maria Taylor appeared for the first time on Football Night in America or on the NBC Sunday night game uh, as it was this past Sunday night. 
Um, so Tariqa will be the host. Tony Dungy will be in the studio. Love me some Coach Dungy, the former coach of the Buccaneers. Uh, now Drew Brees, the former New Orleans Saint, will join him in the studio. Maria Taylor will have her own segments, more than one with Chris Sims. Um uh, they're in New York. And then Rodney Harrison comes out of the studio to join Chris Collinsworth's son, Jack Collinsworth, at the game sites for analysis on site, including at halftime and postgame. Hopefully I articulated that well enough. John, on the on the podcast here, what are your thoughts about the NBC rollout here and, and some of the adjustments they made? I mean, none. I don't have any thoughts. It's, it's generic, right? I mean, it's football night in America. Uh, it does well because it's in prime time and because NBC doesn't include the first half hour of the show in its ratings, right? So they get to, you know, uh, t- uh, claim a much higher rating than the show actually gets. Uh, you know, I mean, I don't want to say who cares, but that's my instinct is to say, eh, it's football night in America. You know, they had Dan and Keith reunite on that show and it didn't make, uh, you know, it didn't make a dent. Nobody, <laughs> nobody even noticed. Dan Patrick and Keith Olbermann were doing that show together for like years. Right. And nobody even noticed that that was going on. So, you know, there are certain shows that ultimately will do well because of the time slot or, you know, what's coming up after. But we all know that as far as relevance go, football, goes, Football Night in America isn't anywhere close to Fox NFL Sunday. We know that even though the numbers may be better, it's not even close. Uh, and you could make a you could make a compelling argument. Well, you know what? I wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't go as far as to say that Football Night in America is less relevant than the NFL today, because the NFL today is not particularly relevant. But if we're ranking the studio shows that matter in the NFL, Fox NFL Sunday, and then you know you drop down about a million miles, and then everybody else. <laughs> It's, a, it's like, as I often like to use the analogy, and it's I'm getting older and it's getting uh, less and less uh, relevant for the sub 30 year olds, for the millennials, et cetera. It's like when Secretariat won the Belmont and they had to pan the camera all the way to the left for the final triple crown race to find a second place horse. That's your analogy on the NFL studio shows. Question to you, how much does it hurt the football night in America pregame? which is from 7 till about 8.15 Eastern time, that there are still NFL games going on in the first half hour, 7 Eastern time, maybe even 35 or 40 minutes of that show, there's a game. And there's, there's people that have fantasy football interests, gambling interests, rooting interests that are not watching anybody's pregame or postgame show while there's games going on. Your opinion on how much that hurts that show on NBC or would hurt any show in that slot? Well, you know, Mike Tirico could read his social security number on the air at the top of every football night in America and not have to worry because nobody's watching. <laughs> all right. Nobody's watching that show while there's still games on. Uh, so, look, let's be real. Uh, that first half hour, there's a reason NBC does the chicanery that it does to not include that first half hour in the ratings. A lot of people don't know that you can game the ratings fairly easily by determining where your where your national advertising starts and where it ends. NBC does that with the Olympics every year. It was unfortunate this year with Showbuzz having their little issue there. Uh, I never got to see what the telecast durations were for the Olympics. I wonder how small they were. I mean, we're going to get to a point one of these days where NBC, the duration on their Olympics prime time is going to be like 60 minutes of the actual three hours that they aired. Uh, but you know, so that first half hour for football night is, is it's, 
they could they could violate every FCC rule. Nobody would notice. You know, who cares? I mean, Put Howard that, Stern on maybe is what yeah. you're saying. And, ch- and chances that may be one of the lines of the podcast so far that Mike Tarico could read out his own social security number and have no issues. He wouldn't have to have LifeLock, wasn't that the company, or oh. whoever else to secure his uh, his identity and identity theft. I love it. Uh, that is uh, that's great stuff. And of course, it's going to be hurt. And uh, and it's no uh, it's no coincidence, too, that in Fox and CBS's case, when they have that late game, they go ahead and fill to the top of the hour, usually of eight Eastern time, seven central adjust your time zone accordingly, as I like to say. Because typically Fox might have a baseball playoff game coming in October. CBS wants to lead into 60 minutes or something at the top of the hour. They fill it with a post-game air quotes a show as well for 10 or 15 minutes that's also competing against what NBC does. It's it's clearly not an exclusive, and they have a football game leading into it where a lot of times NBC does not, John. Well, you know, it's been a while since I've paid attention to the numbers for the OT, you know, and uh, I, I don't know if it's still doing as well as it used to, but, you know, that's obviously another factor. Uh, CBS doesn't do a post game. They just go straight to 60 minutes. Uh, Fox does the, uh, the OT. Um, you know, it's, it's a tough time slot. Uh, frankly, you know, football night in America, again, the numbers it gets for that 45 minute period where it's actually Nielsen rated again, keep in mind that NBC lops off the first half hour of that show. And the numbers are great, obviously by the horrendous standards of primetime television today. Uh, you know, but, um, I mean, just because your numbers are great, doesn't mean you are, I mean, you're doing well, you're, you're, you're doing well enough, but it's not because of anything other than you are in the 45 minute lead up to the Sunday night game. That's pretty much what it comes down to. Voice of John Lewis, sportsmediawatch.com. Love his insight as we hang out here on the latest edition of the podcast. I know you wanted to make mention uh, as well that the Mannings, Peyton and Eli Manning, will debut coming up soon. The first of their Monday night football megacasts. That will be on ESPN2 in direct competition with Brian Greasy, uh, Lewis Riddick, Steve Levy on the play-by-play calling the Monday night games, but not for every week. I'm teeing it up on a, on a tee again for Paulson to knock it out of the park as I mix my sports metaphors. Uh, but they will be there for the opening Monday night game, the Ravens and the Raiders doing a separate kind of intensive on the game film, fooling around, and one more thing, there's apparently not a host. It's it's the Mannings yeah. and then their guests, right? Yeah, and this is a train wreck waiting to happen. So look, let's be completely real. The Mannings are very compelling. They might be able to do this on their own. Peyton could probably drop in and be a studio host, a studio analyst, a play-by-play voice even, maybe. Who knows? I mean, this talent is pretty significant. But I feel like the decision to go with just the Mannings and no host could backfire on ESPN. But I think what will really backfire on ESPN is the fact that they are giving a vote of no confidence in Steve Levy, Lou Riddick, and Brian Greasy, who are human beings and will notice that ESPN's preferred person has the same job on another network with better scheduling. They're going to notice that because they're human beings. ESPN has this interesting habit of treating its employees like they're not actual human beings. 
and just, you know, disrespecting them in wildly inappropriate ways. Like, hey, I know I said I was going to let you do this incredible opportunity hosting the NBA finals. And I know you're already quarantining in the bubble, this nightmarish lunacy of not leaving your hotel room for seven days. And we've already put a camera in there so you can keep working for us while you're doing that. But we're going to take you off the finals. Just, you know, hope you don't mind. Right. Uh, and look, uh, this is dumb. You made a decision. You went with Levy, Riddick, and Greasy. That means you don't get Peyton. It doesn't mean you get to have your cake and eat it too. It's amazing to me that up to now, after screwing up so many times on talent, that they're doing it again. I just don't see how you could possibly, for three seasons, expect Levy, Riddick, and Greasy to feel like they don't have you know, the sort of Damocles hanging over their head in the form of the Peyton and Eli show on ESPN2. This is dumb. It's profound mismanagement. Disney's got to step in at some point and clean house at the executive level there Mm. because that is what needs to happen. That's like the second time you're sounding the alarms about ESPN here during this part of it. And it's it's worth noting, again, they're not going to do this every week. They're going to do it for the first three Monday nights, but only 10 total, I believe, of the 17 Monday nights that they will be on. Again, we should all be so fortunate to work uh, part of the schedule and still get yeah. and still get the gigs and get the money. What do you make of this uh, footnote here? Uh, does, does it indicate that they don't believe that the that the Levy Greasy Riddick team is long term by oh. doing this? And the reason I say that is they've already changed three times since Mike Tarico left Monday night with John Gruden, Sean McDonough and John Gruden, followed by Joe Tessitore with the combination of Jason Witten and Booger McFarlane, then Tessitore and Booger McFarlane by themselves the second year. Now this is the second year of Levy Greasy and Riddick. They've changed over and over again. So is this another kind of smoke signal that they're looking, it's a two-year thing, and they're looking at making a change and maybe going after Peyton Manning once and for all to be in the main booth? Well, ESPN is that guy in that viral stock photo who's looking at the other woman while walking with his girlfriend. (laughs) That's who they are. And, you know, they just, I mean, you know, it's frankly really embarrassing. Uh, the turnover on Monday night football is an embarrassment. The turnover on Sunday night football is, excuse me, Sunday night baseball is an embarrassment. The turnover on NBA countdown is an embarrassment. I mean, this is consistent. It is a habitual failure in Bristol to be competent at selecting people and sticking with them. Mm-hmm. It is habitual now. And if you go back, I was thinking about this the other day, you go back and you look at their daytime lineup just a few years ago, Rachel Nichols on the jump, then at four o'clock, Sports Nation with Beatle or Carrie Champion or High Noon. Then after that, uh, highly questionable with Levitard and his dad. They have run through all of those folks. And, you know, the stakes are low because we're not talking about huge numbers. But when you have that same amount of turnover on your really big ticket items on Monday night football, how in the world is ESPN failing to put together a long-term team on their most important property? How is Disney tolerating that? I mean, I almost kind of wonder if Disney doesn't pay any attention to ESPN. Maybe they're just sitting around thinking about their uh, their theme parks and they don't realize that ESPN can't find a consistent team for its most important broadcast. And not just its most important broadcast 
on the NFL, but its most important broadcast on baseball and its studio show on the NBA. I mean, it is wild. I mean, you know, and it's something that it wasn't like this all the time. I was it wasn't just like going this. there. You and I, you I, you and I are now on the same wavelength, and we're getting symbiotic on this. That if you remember the original days of ESPN and Sunday Night Football before they had Monday Night Football, I mean, it was a staple that Chris Berman and Tom Jackson were the NFL primetime highlight show and lead-in show, and Mike Patrick and Joe Theismann, and some years it was Paul McGuire, like a couple of years it was Phil Sims, and then back, I think, to – you'll help me correct, correct it if it's wrong. It was back to Patrick and Theismann, uh, et cetera, et cetera. That, that was like 15 years, wasn't it? Not just two. Yep, and Paul McGuire as well. I don't know if you mentioned him. I did, yes. Okay, yeah, and uh, no, they, that was a. I think they had the same team on Sunday Night Football the entire time. I, I think they had the same team the entire time. The only there was a like a, a, a maybe a month where Mike Patrick had to miss with heart surgery, so they got Pat Summerall in yes, that. They did. I remember that. Uh, and uh, on on Sunday Night Baseball, Miller and Morgan, right? Correct. And you know the internet, you know, with all of their such great taste in ideas on the internet, uh, demanded. Joe Morgan be fired. Fire Joe Morgan. Get rid of him. And, you know, I'm sure, I mean, look, I'm not going to pretend that I was watching a ton of baseball so in depth at that time that I would be able to tell why Joe Morgan was a problem. But as a casual, he didn't sound too bad to me. And uh, they have not replaced Joe Morgan adequately at all. In fact, up until the point where Joe Morgan actually passed away last year, I would have said, shoot, you can't, you can't do any worse. Bring him back. Sure. You know, why not? Because, I mean, think about it. They, uh, so one, the Steve Phillips disaster. Anyone remember that? Mm-hmm. That, was, that was ugly. Uh, and Steve Phillips wasn't bad as an analyst, but we all know that behind the scenes issue, that, that today's college students are too young to have even heard of. Like, they, 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 you, if you ask college students about Steve Phillips, and that whole story, they, they draw a complete blank. They have no idea what that is. But anyway, so they had Steve Phillips. They had Oral Horsheiser. Oral was solid, you know, unspectacular, but not bad. Went to draw, John Crook was in the booth there. Yeah, I think Nomar was there. Uh, I don't know yes. if he was on Florida baseball or not, but he was there. They had Schilling. You know, we all know the Schilling stuff. And Kurt could just never, Kurt decided to prioritize Facebook to his job at ESPN. Uh, and, uh, you know, look, uh, A Rod, we talked about A Rod before. Mendoza, you know, uh, it was, it's always a good thing to put a woman in the booth, uh, especially when there have been so few women with that opportunity. But, you know, Mendoza was not like great either. Like nobody that they put in there has really worked. Maybe like, I don't know, Aaron Boone, you know, maybe Bobby Bowden. You know what? You know who worked? Terry Francona. He was there for one year and he was actually really good on TV for that one year. He's had such terrible health issues that even if he retires, it's hard for me to imagine he goes back into TV, but he was really good uh, for that brief period. But all of which is to say, very long-winded way of saying, they've had 55,000 different people occupy Joe Morgan's role since they decided to let the internet make their decisions for them. Uh, and get rid of Miller and Morgan. And none of them have worked. None of them. And A-Rod's not working right now. And A-Rod was the biggest swing that they've taken since doing that. Well, and again, the continuity, uh, and you have to wonder for Monday Night Football, is it uh, two and done again for the third straight time? 
but for now, I, I don't I don't mind. And and Steve Levy and uh, Brian Greasy and Lewis Riddick will work a Buccaneer game later this year against the New York Giants. I don't mind. I, I don't mind the listen. I don't mind the watch on Monday Night Football. But it's certainly not. I can't. I mean, let me give you a great uh, analogy because we'll just talk about this one more time, and then we're going to move on to love it or leave it. Uh, here on the sportsmediawatch.com podcast. I love to go back and look at retro things. So a buddy of mine sent me something about a retro Buccaneer game, because again, I'm affiliated with the Tampa Bay Buccaneer radio broadcast, and I saw some of it on YouTube. It gave me a suggestion for a Chicago Bears, um, Denver Broncos, 1987 Monday night football game on YouTube where somebody had a condensed like 15 minutes of that game with Al Michaels, Frank Gifford and Dan Deardorf. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe it was Al Michaels' second season. It was Deardorf's first season. And the highlights are tremendous because it's Jim McMahon, Walter Payton, the fridge, the Bears defense. It's John Elway playing out of his mind. John John Lewis, I got to send you the link. But the call of the game was electric along with the crowd going crazy at Mile High Stadium. What an event Monday Night Football was. And again, Al Michaels was in that role 20, 20 years practically uh, with, you know, different analysts as it kind of went along and guys retired. Deardorf was there within 15 or more of the years. But this was in the Wayback Machine just on a whim here that I watched it and I went, wow, that was iconic back in the back in the day. So I have to send you the link just to the point uh, of all of this with continuity and announcers. And, uh, and we'll see, we'll see with all of the primetime games, uh, Buck and Aikman will do the primetime Thursday night games. Uh, and, and again, as we mentioned on football night uh, in America, that comes up again as uh, Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth. The, the long rumor is that Mike Tirico will eventually be the guy to replace Al Michaels and maybe soon here on the farewell tour. We'll, we'll see. And then Monday night football with Levy greasy and Lewis Riddick. That takes us now. Let that will segue. You said habitual a couple of times earlier in the conversation. We're habitual with this. Here we go. Love it or leave it. First item sticks on uh, love it or leave it, and that is fantasy football. I do not know the answer, John Lewis. Are you a fantasy football guy in the least, even on the periphery, or do you leave it? Do you love it or leave it? leave it never done it once in my life uh never ever done a fantasy team ever does not intrigue you enough to have tried it not an even not even foot not even baseball not any sport not even fantasy basketball none of it i I mean absolutely not i've never done fantasy any any fantasy sport ever i would the only thing i would submit to you as someone i hate to admit this it's almost like a sickness like an addiction this is the 30th year that I will have played fantasy football going all the way back to 1991. I still remember the six of us sitting around and drafting uh, for about six hours on a Sunday night by hand, writing it, John, you'd be impressed on legal pad and notebook paper and keeping all the stats out of the newspaper because the internet didn't exist in 91. That's how far back I go. The only thing I will say to you that I say to so many others, it will change some of your interest and your viewing if you choose to do it. I can understand that there are some that just don't care, but we keep talking about never before have I cared about the fourth quarter of the Arizona Cardinals and the San Francisco 49ers like I do if I'm playing fantasy football with who might be left. So no on fantasy, huh? No interest. Turn it off. Leave it, I mean, leave it alone. 
Yeah, sorry to Matthew Barry, but nope, uh, never done it. Never gambled on sports either. Never right. done any of that. Neither, neither one on both of those. Okay, fair enough on love it or leave it. Let me test another one because we've kind of made reference to this a couple of times on the podcast with heels and, and not heels as in what you wear on your shoes to make you seem taller, but heels or in wrestling, they call it the face. Uh, the WWE, Vince McMahon. Love it or leave it. Do you watch? I mean, I know there is uh, professional wrestling on in, in regional outlets, but now we have two cable shows that do decently well. Uh, Vince McMahon's Monday Night Raw on the USA Network has done well in the Monday night slot that it's been in relative to other cable shows for a long running time. The new AEW wrestling on TNT, which is backed by the son of, ja of Jacksonville Jaguars owner uh, Shad Khan, Tony Khan, and his wrestlers. That show is doing decently in the ratings. And then the Friday Night Network TV SmackDown, the WWE SmackDown on Fox do decently well. Love it or leave it on professional wrestling on TV. I've watched more episodes of Different Strokes in the last month than I've ever watched pro wrestling in my life. So <laughs> that's a no. You missed all of the craze of Hulk Hogan and the 80s and on into The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin. Do you have any idea who these names are that I'm talking about? You should, you should with The Rock because he's a movie star in addition to all of this. No, I mean, I know all the names. I mean, I know uh, Hulk Hogan and, uh, you know, uh, the uh, Wu guy. Uh, Ric Flair. Ric Flair yes. Yeah, I know him. I saw yes. his 30 for 30. I mean, I'm aware of all of these folks. The same way I'm aware, I could probably reel off the names of, you know, 20 NASCAR drivers. Doesn't mean I'm watching NASCAR. Although I did catch the end of the race uh, on, on Saturday night. You know, I'm aware of all these wrestlers, but I'm not watching pro wrestling. All right, so that's not your cup of tea. I will say in my household with the 13-year-old twin girls, they do watch some of it. There's a bunch of ladies wrestling, especially in WWE. We temper it. We do it in moderation. When I was a kid in the 80s, I was allowed to watch all of this. Now I'm a parent, and I'm like, oh, no, you're not watching this. You're not watching that. Does it amaze you that – and Fox does a decent number on Friday night with the live SmackDown – does it does it amaze you that pro wrestling continues to have a toehold here, even on a network TV slot on a schedule? I mean, not really. You know, first of all, it's not drawing the way that it used to back in the day. Right. So, you know, Fox gets maybe about two million on the low end for SmackDown, I think. You know, back in the day, WWE Raw is getting five million you know, every week on USA Network. And, you know, the wrestling community is very, you know, very involved in ratings, very interested in all of that. But I, it's, you know, so I, I know the interest is there. I, I have nothing against wrestling. I'm not part of the moral majority or whatever organizations used to be against it, you know. But it's just, it's not for me. It's not my cup of tea. Uh, I understand on that. One more point. I was born and raised in Memphis, Tennessee, and that is an ingrained pro wrestling town. I, I now live in the Tampa, St. Pete, Clearwater area in Florida, and almost all of the wrestlers past and present at one time or another live in this area or in central Florida in Orlando, it seems like. So it's just, it gets ingrained in you. It's almost in your DNA uh, when you are around. I think we have time for one more. Love it or leave it. And here we go with another love it or leave it revolving around food. With football upcoming, and this weekend we've got a bunch of college football for Labor Day, uh, et cetera. Uh, and we've got NFL Sundays chicken wings do we yes chicken wings and what 
flavors or are you are you going to sit here and tell me on the sportsmediawatch.com podcast you're not a chicken wing guy for any of these football games throughout the season chicken wings no no, I, I don't mind chicken wings at all. I'm, I, I, I like chicken wings, you know, in moderation, uh, you know. Barbecue? Doesn't matter. It can be anything, you know. Uh, I uh, found a hot wing recipe uh, for the Super Bowl, you know, and used uh, yeah, what, uh, I don't remember what the sauce was. It was pretty hot. <laughs> Doesn't matter to me. I just, you know, it's, it's all about moderation, right? You got to try to figure out uh how to, how to do it where you're not doing it every week. I always save it for the Super Bowl, maybe the conference championship games, but uh, uh, so it's like a once a year kind of treat for me. You're not a big, you're not a big chicken wing guy. We do have chicken wings a lot during the season, not every week, but in and around the household, or if I'm going and watching games with, uh, with buddies, there will be some chicken wings around. I love the lemon pepper for whatever yeah. reason. I, that, that one appeals to me. You are love it, not leave it on lemon pepper on the wings? Um, you know, I don't know. I haven't had the ones that Lou Williams had. Maybe if I had those. <laughs> it's not just the ones that he had, but you're making reference for those that don't know about where he had them. And that was at the strip club in Atlanta. What is it called? The Is it the gold club? I'm not even sure whichever one it is. I'm not giving them the right uh, attribution, but no, they the supposedly club, have uh, the Gold Club was the one Patrick Ewing and uh, all those other folks were involved with. Was it ma- something magic in Atlanta that yes, has supposedly uh, the best chicken wings you can ever have? And then athletes began to weigh in one after another about how good the wings are there. <laughs> no, it's it's like the varsity up there, apparently. Yes. Love the varsity. Greasy, greasy hamburger, greasy hot dog. You walk in, it's, a, it's an Atlanta institution, folks. If you're in and around Atlanta, what do you have? What do you have? What do you have at the varsity to come and get some food? Uh, for that you began talking about grilling we're kind of ending on on food anything else that we need to cover on the sports media watch podcast as we put a cap kind of on august and get ready for football to kick off in earnest with the college this weekend and the nfl in a couple of weekends you know uh, there was some talk about rsns and the concerns uh, that uh, the networks are having about the future of the rsn business i think those concerns are very well placed very hard to believe that in 20 years time, we won't see some major, major changes to how we watch sports on TV. Uh, sports Business Journal reported on this today. And one of the things they talked about was one of, the, one of the ideas that they're throwing around now is for these RSNs to only show up <clears throat> during the game so that they're not airing a day of programming, right? It's kind of ridiculous that Masson, for example, hears a, uh, a simulcast of ESPN News all day until it has a game. I think you'll see those RSNs reduced to just being game only at some point. And I'll tell you something else. I think ESPN is heading in that direction too. Not for a long time, but you know, 30 years from now, I can't imagine ESPN as a 24-hour network because they'll have fired every single possible person, right? <laughs> They'll have blown every single talented, you know, person that they've had out of the door for whatever reason. Let me submit that in the early days of ESPN, they were not 24 hours. As you know, you know your history, but I'm a little older than you. I remember watching and a lot of times ESPN didn't come on until six o'clock in the evening, the first year or two for SportsCenter and had primetime programming. Chris Berman would kind of cap it all with the late night, middle of the night sports center. That's where he made his reputation, 1980, 1981, with all the highlights. And they would go off the air, John, at like 2 a.m. Eastern time 
11 p.m. Pacific, maybe 3 a.m. Eastern time if the late games were still going, midnight and not be back until 6 p.m. You would have the graphic on the screen, that old school ESPN mm -hmm. block letters with the orange. I'm getting the visual out there for the audience with the orange ring around it. And they would be playing that song, ESPN, oh, no. everything. It would be on a loop, John, 20, wow. uh, 16 hours a day. It would be on a loop on your screen. Please tell me they got to do better than that than that being on the screen if they're not going to be live. If that's no, they'll be having Stephen A. sing it. <laughs> okay, well, they've been paying a lot more than whoever they paid for that jingle back 40, 40 plus years ago. If that's the case, and on the regional sports networks, one of the big challenges right now is carriage or carrying them because not everybody carries all the regional sports networks on all the services. For example, I do this show again out of the Tampa Bay area, big on my Tampa Bay, my Champa Bay lightning, the two time Stanley cup champs, the Tampa Bay Rays currently have the best record still in the American league. You can't see the games. If you have, for example, Hulu streaming, which we do frontier communications doesn't have a deal with them plug away dish network doesn't have a deal with the bally sports the, the regional sports network carrier they're losing out on thousands and thousands of viewers to their games because they don't have deals with them that's kind of your point you got to make up your mind and local teams are losing out in a lot of markets because there's there's not carriage deals yeah i mean it's a dying business uh, sinclair really uh really did themselves a disservice getting into this business. And ESPN is a reason why Disney didn't really fight back too hard when the government told them they had to spin those things off. And uh, look, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a dying model. Uh, there's no way that in 10 years time, it will look anything like it does now. Uh, but I, I truly think, I truly believe that that's the fate for ESPN as well. Wow. Yeah, certainly it's a fate for after. So, I mean, long-term, long-term, you know, long, you know, I mean, well, there's two choices in 30 years time in 2051, right? Wow. Kind of a futuristic sounding year. Yeah. Either ESPN won't exist or they're going to have to adjust, uh, you know, and. Um, what about I, the argument, not unlike a lot of the, you know, NBA network, MLB network, NHL network on and on. Did I leave one out? NFL Network, they replay games a bunch during the day. And yeah. you've said that jokingly on this podcast in the early episodes. They could replay games and not have original programming. That might suffice for a while, too. Well, I just think that, one, we're heading toward that direct to the uh, directed subscriber model generally. And that you don't need a TV schedule for that. Everything's on demand. So, you know, that will... And, you know, I'm not 100% joking when I say that ESPN will fire everybody. I mean, the fact of the matter is, once, once PTI is done, none of these other shows have a reason to exist. PTI is sustaining the whole thing. Their numbers are so much better than anybody else's, right? Stephen A, on first take, at least has the Stephen A brand. Without that, you'd be wondering what ESPN is doing because the numbers really aren't that good. The other day, Get Up had slightly more viewers than Highly Questionable, and Highly Questionable is definitely not doing particularly well. So to me, the, this era of ESPN populating daytime with all these original shows is going to end. You know, I'm sure Norby is trying to make it Sports Center 24 hours a day except for, sport, uh, except for live sports anyway. Um, you know, they are contractually obligated to air an NBA studio show, which is not something I think that works for ESPN or the NBA for that matter. Uh, but that next deal, I don't think that's going to be part of it. 
or at the very least, those shows are going to be on ESPN+. So I just think, just generally, the shift to direct-to-subscriber, the shift away from the traditional schedule, I can't see, you know, what is the need to have ESPN come on the air on the linear network outside of live sports and maybe maybe SportsCenter? I mean, what is, what is the need, you know? ESPN has shown time and time and again that they do not value their talent. They don't value the people who do those daytime shows. They've proven it time and time and again. Uh, you know, so obviously as a viewer, why should I value them, right? Uh, and so, um, you know, I, I just think at, at a certain point, given the way ESPN treats talent, the way that they treat these shows, the fact that these shows don't do particularly well, the fact that people don't really need ESPN outside of live sports, and the obvious overarching shift away from linear TV, there's an obvious, you know, the, uh, the hourglass has turned, right? And once Tony and Mike are gone, and you know, to Tony's what, 72 or so, and that's pretty young in this industry. You're just, you're just getting started at 72 in sports media. But, you know, I don't know how much longer they're gonna want to do this. I'm, you know, Tony hasn't gotten back to the studio yet. And while I am certain, probably more than anybody, uh, you know, uh, willing to, to, to be fair to people who wanna keep working, you know, in, in the circumstances that are most convenient to them, the fact of the matter is that's, I mean, it's been since March. He hasn't been in the studio. March know? a year ago. Yeah, March a year ago. Tony, to me, is the next person to keep an eye on for that Emmerich-Marv-Albert deal, where everything that happened over the past year is a reminder, wait, I, I don't want to do this. I enjoy being at home. Because you know something? You reach a certain age in life. It doesn't have to be 70. Sometimes it can even just be 30. But people reach an age in life where they realize there's nothing so great out there. I, you know, I'm a multimillionaire. I have a nice house. I don't have to work. And in Tony's case, he can just work in his attic. Right. But he's the next one to keep your eye on for retiring. And once he goes, they're not going to be able to replace him or Will Bond, whichever one decides that they're done. That show only works with Tony and Mike. I like Pablo Torre. I like Frank Isola. It is a visceral disappointment when you turn on PTI and it's not Tony or Mike. It's like the most deflating, it's like a double doink. You know, your team just had a double doink field goal when you see that it's anybody but Tony and Mike. So that show can't continue without both of them. Bears fans cringe again. Eagles fans, thank you for the reference to Cody Parkey double doink in a playoff game a couple of years ago trying to kick a winning field goal. On that note, I think we shall depart. Uh, John, thank you again. Appreciate the time. We encourage everybody to read the site. Any thoughts in closing? Uh, you just gave some thoughts in closing. Any thoughts here saying goodbye for the month of August? Uh, not really. You know, I, I will say, um, I don't know. Uh, here's hoping September is less stupid. That's a good goal. Let's go with that. Let's go with football and go with that. There's John Lewis. I am merely TJ Reeves. Reminder, however you found this podcast on a social media link, sportsmediawatch.com. Uh, subscribe away. Find us on Spreaker. Find us Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get podcasts. We'll come back again in the month of September with football, football, and more football getting underway. Thank you for being with us here on the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast. Bye. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. 
book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.